welcome to the RT Soccer uh, World Cup Daily Podcast. That title has been focus grouped to the hell, obviously. That's it's very, it's descriptive. It does exactly what it says on the tin, and the words will probably be in different order every day. But that's what we're calling it. Don't ask me to say it again. We are jo- uh, Mikey Stafford here. I'm joined um, live from Doha by Darren Maloney and live from Montrose by Peter Bradigan. How are you doing, lads? Hi, Mikey. How are you? Good. Mikey, how's it going? <laughs> Good stuff. So we've had our first game, um, Ecuador overcoming the hosts, Qatar, 2-0 in the fine tradition of uh, World Cup opening matches being fairly forgettable outside of a VAR decision that made everybody scratch their heads and a wonderful second goal. Uh, the second half of this match means that it will not live long in the memory. But Dara, I'm not sure how much of it you saw. Tell us a little bit about the setup in your uh, FIFA accredited hotel. Okay, well, there is, um, Mikey, good evening. It's good to chat to you. Um, there is a bar in the hotel, but it was kind of busy where they have the matches on. They also have it on in the foyer of the hotel where I watched um, most of the first half an hour. When I came back to the room to get ready for our chat this evening, um, I scrolled through the 497 channels on the television, which took quite a while, um, and I couldn't find any coverage of the match. Now, uh, that all made sense because I remember maybe about a month ago, reading that each of the hotels, even though they are official FIFA hotels, each of the hotels would have to come to an arrangement with FIFA about um, being able to show the the World Cup matches in the hotels. So obviously there was an arrangement here that they could show them in the foyer and also up in the the bar upstairs, Um, but that hasn't extended to the the hotel rooms. But look, you get these kind of things with major tournaments. Uh, It wasn't the end of the world. I believe the kind of first 45 minutes or first 40 minutes of the match that I saw were kind of the most relevant. And what happened in the second half was pretty unforgettable. I was following it online on a couple of the websites and stuff. So, uh, but look, I suppose, you know, looking at the first sort of 20 minutes of the game, I had quickly made up my mind that Ecuador were better and they deserve to win. So uh, yeah. I didn't, you, you're, you were telling me before we came on air, I didn't miss a whole lot. So no. that's kind of, that's the, that's the There truth. you go. There, is that, is that, it's that incisive analysis that has you being sent to I, these big tournaments. That's why I've been sent 6,000 kilometers away to you know, get out, yeah. Peter, you're in the office where the the RT Sports Department, where there are many, many televisions, all of them synced to different times, and but yeah. there are many of them, so you did get to see it, but more importantly, you got to see the opening ceremony, Peter, and we were all wondering which celebrity would show up, because Rod Stewart turned down a million quid, supposedly, Dua Lipa uh, very publicly said she wasn't going anywhere near the place, so we ended up with Morgan Free- Freeman, uh, one of the members of BTS, uh, John Cook, who I won't say I knew a lot about. Morgan Freeman probably wasn't in many people's sweepstakes, I don't think, Peter. Uh, yeah, no, that was definitely a bit unusual. There was general confusion around the office when he arrived on camera and people were wondering, was it actually him or was it not actually him? But uh, yeah, I think like the less said about the opening ceremony, the better they tend to be the least significant part of the, the tournament. Um, Apart from the closing ceremony, which is on before the final and everybody <laughs> resents even more. <laughs> yeah this is true this is true but like I don't know the, the first game out of the way like I'm of the year where Scotland Brazil was my the, the first game of the World Cup that I really properly remember and oh, that was actually all right maybe my softness for the Scots our Celtic cousins uh, I kind of enjoyed that game and um, you know they very nearly got a draw against a Brazilian team who were a lot better than them and who went obviously to the final that year but uh, yeah that, that was one that always stands out and obviously the following World Cup then France and Senegal but yeah the the I don't know. The opening ceremony is, is a bizarre part of the whole uh, festivities, I suppose. 
It really is. Um, the match itself, as we said, um, there was a strange VAR decision, Dara, which turns out was was probably correct. But I think it's going to take us a while to get used to these uh, semi-automated AI VAR decisions, which are going to seem to be irrefutable because they'll have this graphic. And um, but again, as with VAR, you're either for it or against it. But uh, Ecuador looked pretty good. They they hadn't yeah. scored in a few games. They were very good in qualifying, yeah. but had struggled to score of late. So people were wondering about them. And Qatar are the Asian champions. Um, so, you know, we're expected and also play for about three clubs in Qatar and have been hothoused as an international team for the last well, 12 years. Yeah, I know, but they've all, and they've been in camp since September. I don't know, by the way, while Peter was talking, um, I didn't want to interrupt, but you could probably, well, you may or may not have been able to hear, uh, a massive uh, fireworks display just went off. So that basically the whole thing behind me here lit up and all I could hear was this explosions. I thought there was something else happening. But then, thanks to BBC World News, I could see all the fireworks going off, which is kind of marking the end. You're allowed to watch the fireworks. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I was listening to exactly every word that Peter said, but I could just see it in the background because I did think something uh, sinister was happening. But it's just this fabulous fireworks display that the the um, they put on here. Um, yeah, look, you know what? The, the and we've had a bit of this in the Champions League and stuff like that. The semi-automated offsides. I suppose we. And this is the concept with VAR. We just have to trust that they get it right. But if there is computer technology involved and the algorithm is correct, well, then we just have to assume that the offside calls are correct. Um, don't ask me to explain all the new changes and all the bits and pieces. We, they will they'll become apparent as things go on. And I suppose that's the, that's the trick with a, with a major tournament, particularly the World Cup. Um, that stuff will happen that we'll all be sort of scratching our heads over from time to time. Um, and we're just hoping that everything behind the scenes is correct and right and, and that it all turns out to be okay in the morning sort of stuff. Yeah, um, but this, yeah. Th this was a perfect storm, Peter, and a classic of the genre where the goalkeeper was in front of the goal. So the goalkeepers usually counts as one of the two defenders who have to be, you know, between the attacker and et cetera, et cetera. So the goalkeeper was out. So this was confusing a lot of people, but yeah. it was confusing more people that it was the player behind the guy who challenged for the header rather than the guy who challenged the goalkeeper for the header. So um, it, was, it wasn't a very clear one, but it obviously immediately, Peter, people were wondering about bribes and backhanders because the first VAR decision of the match of the of the tournament was confusing and looked a little bit strange and went in favor of Qatar. Yeah, this was the exact thing this World Cup needed after five minutes was an incredibly <laughs> bizarre decision like that to happen. And that was the general view around uh, the RT Sport Digital Desk was what is after just happening? Did you just witness something insane? But then whatever it was, five or six minutes later, we finally got the graphic and um, yeah, we could all rest easy and watch the rest of the game after that. Uh, in terms of the game itself, I mean, I thought Ecuador were, were like as impressive as they needed to be. They could have probably won by a couple more goals at least. Um, and I, I you'd guess for Qatar with Senegal and the Netherlands come up, like there's, there's going to be plenty of goals scored against them. But um, yeah, Ecuador did what they had to do. They uh, they, they played well. They, they created plenty of chances and I mean, it's like job done. They should be fairly satisfied with the way it went, I, I reckon. But yeah, VAR, I'm sure it'll be a talking point. I'm, I don't know. I think I'm one of the few people who actually kind of enjoys VAR. It's a bit of crack. It also generally <laughs> tends to get the decision right. Um, you know, there's rules there. Let's let's use them. They're, they're there for a reason, etc. So yeah, I, I, don't, spoken, I don't hate it. Spoken like an avid UCD fan whose team play in the league <laughs> where there is no VAR, so he's never had to be put through the torture of it as an actual supporter. <laughs> Dara, before we get on to talking about tomorrow's matches, yeah. um, 
one of which you were at, obviously, for out a year. You're at the um, United States-Wales game. Um, you're in Doha, obviously. I know you arrived late last night. But what are your initial impressions? Because obviously, we're all supposed to just talk about the football now. But let's be honest, that's yeah. impossible and that's not going to happen. So I'm just wondering, what have your initial impressions been? Because obviously, we know how much research you do. You've been reading a lot about Qatar. You know, oh, all, yeah. same as everybody else, a 200 billion euro infrastructural project, etc., etc. What hit, what what strikes you in, when you first arrive in Doha? Oh well, I, like look, I, I've been Mikey following as everybody has uh, very closely over the last number of months um, and number of years. Really, you know the the whole debate about about why and how the World Cup uh, came here. Um, I, I suppose initial impressions when you get into the airport was was um, you know how how welcoming everybody was like literally everybody i met even the customs officials who you know we had been given a few sort of scare stories about oh don't bring this don't bring that and they'll do this to your bag and that's your bag um and of course i always get called for the double scan i had you know the, the guy with the uh, you have a dodgy face diary of a dodgy face go. yeah exactly i wouldn't trust me either but um you know even that experience uh was very pleasant um you know to to a man woman i've met over the last sort of 24 hours it's welcome to Doha is everything okay are you glad to be you know we're glad you're here um you know if there's anything I can do to help you or you know what I mean to make your 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 stay more pleasant so um you know a, a couple of people saying is everything okay is everything okay and I'm like yeah fine sure I'm only here <laughs> like a, a wet a, a wet day not a wet day out here but um yeah it's, it's just been you know kind of being killed with kindness um I suppose the the you know, I'm I'm really mindful. We have, you know, we we've heard and listened and read an awful lot about the amnesty reports about the the issues that have been here. You know, that the the migrant workers killed over that period since um, the tournament was awarded to um, to this country. Um, you know, and th those things are always in your head. But I suppose you you are, and I have been. My personal experience, I've just been kind of, you know bowled over by the kindness of everybody I've met from the hotel staff. And you can be cynical and say, oh, that's their job. Yes, it is, but they do it very well. Um, to, you know, the, the, you know, the taxi driver who brought us here, fella I met out in a walk today, because one of my things for the month is I'm going to walk every morning and just get out and do as much exercise as I can. Um, but, you know, it, it's, there are all the, the, the conflicts that every journalist, every, you know, visiting member of the media has with with here um that are that are always in your mind i believe there were some issues with people getting into the stadium broadcast media people getting into the stadium tonight which um you know does happen at the start of a major event whether it's an olympic games a euros sure you know euro 2020 we had a lot of issues over people mm. getting into the final at wembley I was at the Champions League final in uh, Paris earlier in the year and all the horrific issues that were there. So, you know, they are, you can put them down to teething problems. We'll see what happens on day two with those matches taking place tomorrow. Um, we're doing the late game. So, you know, maybe as time goes on, things will be ironed out. But I know that people this evening did have issues getting into the stadium at the appointed time and particularly to be there for the, the opening ceremony as well. So, you know, look, I, I'm, I, I suppose I've, I've come here with those conflicts in my head and my heart. Um, 
but you know i'm i'm open to see what happens um and i'm going to be here right until the end of the thing so you know i i very much have an open mind as to to see what happens actually one thing even just from being out this evening that strikes me because i've been following the temperature of mikey very closely and peter um you know 30 31 degrees today which we experienced out, out for a stroll um you know four o'clock half four it just goes pitch black uh, pitch black all of a sudden done um, the wind around here, it is very, very windy. Um, and that does make it a little bit more comfortable at nighttime, you know, once the sun goes down. Um, I'm really regretting not bringing a jacket, uh, but we may have to go and invest in one as we go along. But, you know, it's just kind of, you know, I was following the temperatures and there's only so much information you can get from some of those apps, but like the temperature at nighttime drops to 27, you know, 26. But with that wind factor it, it feels a lot cooler so look that'll make it more comfortable for the people uh, going to the matches and particularly for the players playing at night time and again i'm yet to experience all the air conditioning in the stadiums and all that sort of stuff so we'll do that in due course and we'll, we'll find out what that's like tomorrow night but initial impressions you know everybody is very nice um you would have expected some sort of problems with accreditation and entry to this that and the other even at the, at the women's euros in the summer there were problems with that about it you go in this gate or don't go in that gate and stuff so oh, yeah yeah that's those that's kind of standard. things happen yeah. it, they're not a big deal but we'll you know they, they'll be ironed out as things go along yeah okay let's get on to let's let's stick with the football now well for, sure. for, for now um peter tomorrow um i suppose the game probably <clears throat> for a lot of reasons that people you know, in Ireland, they're looking at is, is uh, England v Iran. You know, we pretend we don't care, but England as much. But you know, they're the players. Yeah, most of us know. Go? How yeah. far they let go before we get angry? That's the question. <laughs> but uh, them playing Iran is obviously fascinating. They've uh, the countries have a long, storied, uh, acrimonious at times relationship. Um, you know, we're talking about sticking with politics. You know, there, you have the Iranian captain amazingly coming out tonight and admitting that you know, situation in their own country in terms of the protests, women's right protests, and the number of people who have been allegedly killed by security services in the last couple of months due to those protests is not right. Because there was actually talk of one of their better players. Um, sorry, this is going to be a regular occurrence on this podcast, me leaning over to look at my copy of World Soccer over my microphone. Um, <laughs> yeah, Sardar Azmoun, sorry, he's one of their better players. He plays in with Bayer Leverkusen. He was, there was actually... Peter, talk of him being dropped from the squad because he spoke out before, like a few weeks ago about the protests. But now, maybe because they're no longer in Iran, you actually have the captain speaking out. Um, so this this just make like there was talk of Iran being obviously kicked out. People wanted them kicked out because of supplying weapons to Russia. Like, you know, people say stick to the football and politics doesn't belong in sport. But if ever this is another match, the second match is it or, you know, the second day of the tournament. And it's uh, hard to say it's just about football, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And I mean, even England this evening, they were saying they are going to take the knee before their games in the tournament. So um, the whole idea of leave politics aside for three or four weeks or whatever it is, is obviously not going to happen. And, you know, I would possibly say rightly so. Um, yeah, like I suppose we said, we'd stick to the football side of things from, from a purely footballing perspective, I guess. Are England the best European team going over there? I know France are defending champions, but in terms of consistency, like France got to the last 16 at the last Euros. England obviously got to the final and lost on penalties. They were at the semis in the last World Cup. Um, you know, Gareth Southgate had this interesting quote talking about how um, he doesn't think his contract is going to protect him if the team doesn't uh, perform well, like at this World Cup. So he's supposed to be there until the end of 2024 Euros uh, at least. So it's, yeah, it is really interesting. And I know it's, we've moved on and all that, but there is that element of dread that this is like a really good England team and there's players in that group that might be thinking it's last chance saloon, et cetera. So um, 
as you say, the context of the game itself is very interesting. I'd imagine Iran aren't going to have too much to say, too much of a say as to where the World Cup ends up, but uh, England definitely could have a big say as to where it ends up. So, yeah, it, it's very interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they perform. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I, I don't think their media are building them up as much as they have in the last two competitions. Is that just me? I, I don't know if that's the sense. No. I don't even know yeah. if across there is that that sense as well. I don't know. Yeah, Peter, I suppose it, it, it's, a, it's a strange environment here, you know, because we're, we're just following stuff on the internet and that sort of thing. Um, you know, uh, like the English media, uh, they always build up their team. But, I, I, you know, maybe it, it leads into the fact that this is a winter tournament, that it's at a strange time of the year. Um, you know, I, I heard people sort of, and I suppose I was focusing on other things, Ireland games and Champions League kind of two weeks ago, kind of saying, you know, where's the buzz for the World Cup? And I was like, ah, oh, it'll come, it'll come. And you're kind of going, well, actually, where is it? Now, there's a great buzz here, you know, where the hotel is. You know, you can, when I was out earlier on, you could hear like thousands of of um, Qatari families and they were walking by the hotel, not all of them, but a lot of them, you know, with buggies and stuff. And they were going to the fan zone, which is about a kilometre from here. Um, and there is a great atmosphere and stuff like that. That's fine. But, um, you know, I, I, I suppose the buzz at home, it, it's just, it's the funny time zones. It's the early kickoffs that's, you know, that will will feed into it but yeah i don't think there's been as much hype here i think it's a very good point there hasn't been as much hype about england um as in previous tournaments i think if they go deeper into the thing uh, that will take off and i suppose look i'm just looking at the schedule you know but but i think you know the wales england thing um i think england need to have qualified or as good as qualified by the time they play wales because you just don't know what way that's going to happen and that's going to kind of, you know, the, the context of it. So mm. I really believe that England would like to have their stuff done um, before they go and play Wales. The issue is, like, did, uh, am I right in saying Iran are, now I haven't been looking at Iran, yes. But are they number 20 in the world? They're so, very highly ranked. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Like, these guys are like, you know, this isn't, this isn't pushover stuff. Um, you know, they, and, and I know people, it's like statistics, you know, people will throw cold water on, on you know, all world rankings and FIFA thing. Like, listen, there's a reason they're number 20 and it's kind of not necessarily by accident. It might be, you know, five places either way. Um, but uh, when I heard that, I was very surprised. Um, and I was like, okay, grand. Yeah, okay. And I think I'm doing Wales around later or something like that. But um, we're doing one game at a time. That's, that's all we're focused on. <laughs> But you know, like that's the mantra. Number, that's the mantra. There you go. Um, um, but like to be number twenty in the world is, uh, and from my perspective, it's sort of unusually high for them. Um, and it's like it's way ahead of the Republic of Ireland, for example. But um, you know, let let's see what they're like. I you know, maybe you know Qatar seemed to be really out of their depth this evening. The bits I saw, I, I don't know if that will happen to Iran and the coach they have and all of that stuff. I think they'll be they'll be fairly streetwise, you know? Yeah, you're a pro there. They are, in fact, uh, number 20 in the world. Um, in interesting one, uh, Peter, uh, Carlos Queiroz is back to uh, coach them at a third World Cup. He was pretty much, they, they'd qualified and the guy who was in situ didn't impress in like their sec their penultimate game and then lost a friendly. And then there was a push to hire an Iranian coach because they thought this would be a good time yeah. for Iran to be led by an Iranian there was pushback against that. So now Carlos Queiroz is back. So we have Carlos Queiroz versus Gareth Southgate. There's a chance, Peter, this won't be the most exciting game of football in the history of the world. Two, two, two as they say, low blocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. It's going, to be, it's going to be very defensive. And 
uh, Dragon Scottish, I'm probably butchering his name there, but the previous manager had done a really good job. Like they had qualified with aplomb, with games to spare to get to this World Cup. So he was gotten rid of, then they brought him back in. Then they eventually got rid of him. They had a new president of the Iranian Football Association. So yeah, the whole thing was just bizarre. I saw a press conference with Carlos Quiroz today. He walked out when he was asked about the issues that were happening in Iran and he criticized the journalist in question and said, you know, you work for a private media company. You ask me that question after the tournament, and I'll give you the answer, I think, and all this stuff. And he was getting very aggressive. So it was all all very, very entertaining. But I think that was probably a lot more entertaining than the match tomorrow is going to be. I, I kind of just fancy England to kind of nick a goal or whatever. But yeah, I, I, as Dara says, I agree. Looking at the little bits that I've been able to look at uh, about Iran over the last few days, like they, they don't seem too far off the mark. You know, they could certainly frustrate England, you would reckon, tomorrow. And as you say, uh, Kiros will have a fairly defensive system in place as well so it could be one of those long days where um, yeah social media is going mad with 70 minutes to go but England kind of get the job done. <laughs> um, bef- before we leave the matter of Iran I must give a shout out to uh, to Jerry Adams former Sinn Féin president who tweeted the um, fixtures page from the RT app which showed England versus IRA playing um, tomorrow. Jerry must have screenshotted that a few days ago because that was pointed out to me by someone uh, last week and I asked our developers to fix it so actually on the website now it's ENG versus IRN but fair play to Jerry he kept that and uh, he tweeted it and he got a lot of uh, got a likes a lot of retweets for that one but oh, great. And, and actually Mikey and Peter you know what you're talking about and we were we were discussing about the lack of hype with England at the moment so you know Carlos Kieros, um all the experience that the guy has and the reputation he has and, and the teams that he's coached over the years so let's say he sends Iran out and maybe they're capable of more but they get a draw against England in the first game and there comes your hype and there comes you know the, the pressure on Southgate after game one if Iran draw with England or maybe better um you know, it just ramps up by a factor of 500,000, you know, and the pressure on him then. Um, so that that could be very... And, like, look, that guy is more than capable of getting a team, Kieros, to, to go out and be able to do your low block and your mid block and your Lego blocks and whatever one you want to call it. Um, he can do that if that's what he chooses to do. And let's see, you know, I don't know, does Southgate know his best team? Where do the, the, his best players play? All of that stuff. The usual questions with England because they've so many good players put them all in an 11 and get them to gel that's the that's the trick yeah and in Iran they do have uh, Mehdi Taremi who plays up front for Porto and is like one of one of the better strikers yeah. in in Europe so uh yeah. they have a couple of very talented players England obviously have Harry Kane who's um anyone who plays fantasy football knows Harry Kane's pretty much scoring a goal every game and a half this season for Spurs um so you know he's in form but it's it's England's defence, really, isn't it? Jordan Pickford is, you know, worrisome. Especially, I know a few Everton fans, and I do love to mention Jordan Pickford on occasion. Um, and then you have Harry Maguire, who's not playing for his club, and they seem to full backs seem to have a very high mortality rate with England at the moment. So, um, the defensively, Darren, which is strange for an England team because you, that's has been their calling card for the last yeah. few years. But the defence is where there's probably a few concerns. Yeah, well, look, Shaw has play, been playing well, and you know that the. the then the, Malassia's arrival at Man United has kind of given him the kick up the backside that he needed. Mm. Um, and he, he, in fairness, he has been playing well for Man United. Like the Harry Maguire thing, and I haven't looked because I've been kind of focusing on Wales and USA. I haven't looked at any of the England preview stuff this evening, but like that's a massive shout. You know, d- does he does he play him 
Does he, you know, have a word in his ear this evening? And, you know, Southgate strikes me as a really good sort of man motivator and all the psychology stuff and that sort of crack. But, you know, let's say he backs him and he plays and Maguire stinks and does not play well. And they have a bad result. They draw, and like a bad result. Like I put England drawing against Iran as a bad result for England, you know, a, a defeat, <laughs> but stick whatever word you want in there after that. So, you know, the Maguire thing is massive. It's, it's, and like the whole, not quite the whole tournament could rest on that with two more games after tomorrow to go. Um, but I've already said I think England need to have their stuff done before they play Wales because that that's a you know local derby lottery thing. Um, let's see what happens. But you know he he has a word of Maguire says I'm backing you and then it goes wrong. Or look maybe it goes great and Maguire plays fantastic. You know maybe he plays in a three. There's more protection there. All of that stuff they're able to play Trent as a as a wing back and Shaw and all of that stuff. Um, it's just a massive call. Like, you know, it, 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 it sort of sets up the whole shape of the team. And, and this guy, like Ten Hag, doesn't want to know him at Man United. So, you know, maybe Southgate can get something really different out of him. Maybe he believes in him deeply and vice versa. Because I'm sure Maguire is thinking Ten Hag doesn't really fancy me at all at Man United. But look, he could reinvent himself massively at, at this whole tournament. But if it goes wrong, it sets the tone. Um, and it, it could lead to massive problems, you know? Yeah. Okay, we'll move on. We'll move on to the other game in Group B. Uh, is the expert on it, Peter. But I'll come to you first because, well, that's just what I want to do. Um, just more so from the point of view, like Wales, you know, semi-finals twenty sixteen, qualified Euro twenty twenty. Uh, Wales are living the life that Irish football fans lived, you know, twenty twenty five thirty years ago, and uh, it's difficult not to look over the fence, you know, Michael Sheen doing his rousing videos online and not be disgustingly jealous, really. Yeah, who, who would our Michael Sheen be? That's the big question if uh, if we ever get back there to that level. But um, yeah, they've had a bit of a blow. Joe Allen obviously is out of the game tomorrow. And Gareth Bale, I was looking at his stats since he's gone to uh, the States. Like he, I don't think he's played a full game since sort of the end of September. He, he's not obviously fully fit, so... He said, I can't remember the exact quote, but sort of this is the biggest like period of his career. Like this is the thing he's most proud of doing. But the question is whether he's still at the races. Like there's a great togetherness there in the team. Uh, they have a couple of lads who are playing in, in League Two uh, in Chris Gunther and Johnny Williams. So that's kind mm. of a bit mad. But it just shows what, like a little, little of that sort of spirit that we always talk about here. And it kind of drives us mad when people talk about the Irish fighting spirit. But the Welsh team seems to have that little bit of spirit. And as you say, what is it? Uh, Three of the last four major competitions they've qualified for, so they're they're obviously in a in a good run. First time since '58, so yeah, they're kind of an interesting an interesting story. And um, yeah, I remember watching them play England in England in 2016, and they nearly not nearly got it that time. They nearly uh, pulled off the kind of the big victory which they were looking to do. But uh, yeah, you I still sort of fancy them to beat the states tomorrow. I'm not sure how good of an American team this is. They're kind of a bit of an unknown quantity to me anyway, which doesn't maybe say too much but yeah I, I think um it'll be interesting to see kind of uh you know what Wales team gets picked how much of a part uh Gareth Bale actually plays and you know can Joe Allen get back for the England game that's going to be the big question for them in this tournament yeah Joe Allen's a big loss but um Wales uh, Gareth Bale's going to play 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 a huge role it's very interesting isn't there that his first game is against USA where he's obviously pitched up after a very odd Odd time in Real Madrid where he won five Champions Leagues and was detested by the fans. It's so weird. But anyway, he's in LA now. He's happier. And the States have their own issues. I think there are serious doubts around Juventus midfielder McKenney and 
Barcelona fullback Dest. So, um, first of all, way hey, well done, United States youth players playing for Juventus and you know Chelsea and Barcelona. This is why you're at the World Cup. But their depth, I don't think is astonishing. So if they're losing the likes of McKenny and Dest, uh, that could be a huge factor. Yeah. Um, like we, we met some American fans at the airport last night just waiting for bags and stuff like that. And they're, look, they're very excited, I suppose. Look, they're, they're one of the three joint hosts for, for the next tournament with Canada and Mexico. So this is a big deal for them. Um, and, you know, we, I suppose, look, the, the, the headline problem with the USA, they may, as you say, uh, Mikey, lose some, some big names tomorrow is they have problem scoring goals. That's the, the, the issue for them. Um, but, you know, listen, th- there's a lot of talent there. They will be extremely well organized. Um, you know, they'll be hard uh, to, to score against. They'll be hard to play against. Um, but, you know, what? like they're, they're, for me, there's something about them. I can't quite put my finger on what that is. I think this is, you know, like, who are the favorites for tomorrow maybe with bale you would say it's wales but um you know what we'll see i, I suppose there you know you couldn't have writ- written the script from a from um you know an mls point of view better that bale would be playing against you know the, the country where he he plies his trade now in the first game of the world cup and all the history that's that's involved in it from a wales point of view do you know what if your man was if, if bale was 20 percent fit he'd still play and still probably play the the full 90 minutes and still probably be fantastic for wales because he, he just does really, you know, he, he's uh, incredibly proud to play for his country. Um, I don't think he's been playing any golf out here, although there is a golf course that's right beside the, uh, right behind the, one of the stadiums, the Education City Stadium. We saw it today going to get the accreditation. Um, I had to stop Ray Houghton from getting out of the car and trying to go and play golf for 500 quid around. But anyway, um, no, look, he's he's fully focused on what's here. I want to hear Ray's golf. side of the story there. Yeah, yeah, I, no, I, I know yeah, well no, that you're I, a keen gonna, golfer too. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with him and, and caddy for him or whatever, you know, but I, I remember watching the European Tour event last year out here and like, okay, the stadium is huge and it just overshadows the whole golf course, but it, it looked spectacular uh, as we were driving by, having got our accreditation. But, you know, look, what an amazing day for Wales, 64 years, you know, 1958 Sweden and to be back in this tournament on the flight yesterday morning, um, I met this the, uh, a lovely uh, group of Welsh fans and there was one man um, who's from Wales but has lived in a Hasgra in Galway for the last 22 years and he was there with his son who was born and bred in Galway and the two of them decked out in all the Welsh kit and he, he was you know what he was very emotional kind of talking about seeing Wales in a World Cup because you know he's he's going to get to get to do it in the flesh tomorrow I actually said to him I said look I'm I'm uh, well my milestone birthday coming up soon but I've never had the chance to see us Ireland the Republic of Ireland play in a major tournament live. I've been at like 02, um, 12 at the Euros, I was in the studio, but to actually be in the stadium and to see the, the tricolor come out in the pitch, um, I've never had that experience. I've seen it on TV loads of times, obviously, which is great. But he was like, he was kind of nearly welling up talking about that experience of seeing the Welsh flag coming up. And listen, he's very proud of, you know, living in Galway and following the, the, the Galway Gaelic football team and stuff, but he's, um, he's Welsh through and through. So tomorrow's a big day for him and his son. They're out here and they're going to get to see Wales play the USA tomorrow. Yeah, well, um, it is. It, we're, it, we're not jealous, are we? No. The longest, <laughs> this is the longest stretch ever between World Cups for any team who've ever they have qualified. They a great anthem, place. by the way. The anthem is fantastic. I, I'm sure I'll be singing along uh, to that. Yeah. Um, and of course, they have a, they have an Irish CEO in, in Noel Mooney. So, you know, really this really this Ireland are at the World Cup. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We have yeah, enough no links. Really. We I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Um, 
So I, I personally, I, I find this match very hard to call. I think the US are a bit of an unknown, uh, of an unknown kind of quantity. But if those two guys are missing and Bale, Bale is fit, Joe Allen is lost and it's hard to tell kind of who goes in for him. Is it Johnny Williams or who it is? But if, you know, if I think if Bale's on form and there's some really exciting young players in Echo Williams and obviously, you know, James and in Kiefer Moore, they have very old school center forward. So I think I, I'd give him a shot. I don't know. How do you do two guys see this one going? Uh, maybe I'll jump in. Yeah, same. It's funny. You talk about, you know, Dan James and I've always enjoyed watching him play and, and you know, the, the, the pace that he operates at and actually the, the point I made earlier on about the kind of wind and the, the breeze that's there and the coolness, like, you know, for him to play at 128 kilometers an hour or whatever it is uh, in the metric system, you know, that it's going to be nice and cool for him at, as, as um, you know, the, the 10 o'clock local time tomorrow night, it's not going to be a big deal. Um, and yeah, I suppose, you know, I, as you say, Mikey, there are doubts about the, about the States. They have problems scoring goals. Uh, they'll be hard to score against. Um, and Bale will be really up for this thing tomorrow night. And uh, look, we've seen him win matches on his own, not just for Wales, but for Real Madrid in the past against Barcelona and stuff. So, you know, uh, if he's up for it, if he's on his game, um, you know, I, I kind of, I'd fancy them to win. Okay. Peter? Yeah, I would echo that. Essentially, I, I still kind of fancy Wales to do it. Um, you know, the USA, I suppose, you know, We'd love to probably enter the qualification process they go through. Um, I think that the US have been at seven of is it seven of the last eight or six of the last seven perhaps mm-hmm. tournaments. So like they haven't really done much damage since two thousand and two. And as we'll see in uh, the RT documentary, I think it's is it tomorrow night Rebel without a ball. Uh, we'll see that Ireland possibly nearly had a good chance of winning that two thousand and two World Cup. So that was kind of a bit of an anomaly. An anomaly. Uh, I'm not convinced about the US yet. I'm sure in twenty four hours I'll probably be. The person who ever gets asked back in the podcast again but I, I yeah i just kind of fancy wales to do it and all that history that's behind us like they just have to put in a couple of big performances and then get to the last 16 and from there like they're in kind of bonus territory or whatever so yeah i i, I do i fancy uh i fancy wales to do it tomorrow as well okay and then the final game tomorrow we're, we're easing ourselves in tomorrow the second day there's only yeah. three games as opposed to four um is uh the netherlands against senegal uh we won't dwell too long on it lads i think we we, we kept we've kept dara from the bar for long enough i'm sure he's heading straight oh, I'm, up I'm in the lift for the night mikey I'm, oh, okay I'm here for the evening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> watching bbc world um yeah. <laughs> i'll the... be so up on current affairs it won't be funny <laughs> both both these teams are missing their their talisman. Uh, unfortunately, obviously Sadio Mane's gone for the tournament, but um, there's no Memphis to buy for Netherlands tomorrow, Dara. So um, both sides kind of main source of goals is gone. Um, Netherlands are interesting. You know who's going to start in goal for them seems to still be up in the air because Van Hal didn't bring Sillison, and it looks like the what's his name Pat Pazvir from from Ajax is probably going to get the nod. Um, and then who's going to score the goals? It seems that uh, Janssen might be likely to start up front instead of Depay. So, um, and they're going up against the Senegal team who have some of the best defensive midfielders and centre-backs and goalkeepers in Europe. Like, they're, they're really a remarkable team, Senegal, but I guess they're being roundly written off by everybody now because their superstar is out. But... It it definitely hobbles them, but I think there's still it'd be an insult to say that you know their chances are gone because Mane is gone. Yeah, I I know, but it does. It's it's a huge setback, you know. It, it's it's I suppose a couple of weeks ago I was thinking, you know, 
I, I, I've spoken to a number of people who sort of their, their view is about this tournament and at this time of the year and, you know, Benzema going, you know, funny injuries and people, you know, missing the tournament and all that stuff. And this, you know, the, the view that maybe it might suit Messi better or even Ronaldo, but particularly Messi, because it's not at the end of the season, it's in the middle of it and it'd be fresher and all of that stuff. Um, it, it's a weird one. I, I thought Senegal could actually go sort of deep into this thing, you know, having watched them in Africa um, you know, as you say, the players that they have, you look at that squad list and it's just full of quality. And, and Manny was the leader of that. And to have him gone and, you know, the, the, the point that he had to prove to a lot of people having left Liverpool, OK, it's going great for him at, at Bayern and all that stuff. But, you know, he, he was coming here with a real point to prove, you know, the controversial way they won in Africa, qualified and all that stuff. Um, and for him not to be here is a massive shame. But look, it, it's, you know, he's not the first big name and he won't be the, the, the last big name to miss the tournament. Um, the Dutch, God, the Dutch, you know, the Dutch and World Cups and the final in 2010. And I was only looking at Van Persie's goal earlier, you know, the flying Dutchman one and, and you know, all the magic moments that they've given us at these tournaments over the years at Bergkamp in, in 98. I'm still getting over the fact that Peter's first memory of a World Cup was France 98. <laughs> uh, I was lucky I was sitting down when that happened. Thanks for that, Peter. Uh, we'll have words <laughs> later. But, you know, like all of those magic moments that we've had. And I, OK, I don't remember 74 and I don't remember 78. Um, but, you know, Van Gaal back again and, and his story and, um, you know, I was reading some comments from Rudd Hullet the other day where he was saying that, you know, when he, he had the three five two thing that, that you know, looked after them so well at, at the World Cup when he was the coach. Um, and then all of a sudden he brings that to Man United and it goes so wrong. And this is a fellow with a point to prove, you know, like he's on a personal level, he's battled a, a horrific illness and come out the other side and, you know, I, I have a lot of time for him. I really, you know, I, I, I do like listening to him. I like watching his teams play. Um, but Depay is a, is a big, it's a big loss. I heard, a, I heard a podcast the other day where somebody had Depay down and it was kind of the group they were in, but they had Depay down as their top scorer for the World Cup that they thought he was going to, you know, make hay in such a, a, a huge way against, um, I suppose, the well, Qatar particularly was who they, they were kind of pointing that against. But look, um, uh, the Dutch are always magic at a World Cup and, and their fans are great. I don't know how many are going to be here. Um, by the way, the most supporters that we've seen since we arrived in Doha last night, Argentina. Seems to be like half of Argentina is in this country. Messi jerseys, the whole lot. So um, a lot of them staying in this hotel. Uh, they're going to be really well supported. So I don't know what that's down to. Um, yeah, look, I want to, I'm dying to see the Dutch play. There's, there's something... There's always something about the Netherlands when they play at a major tournament. So can't force me to call the game. I don't know. Um, no, this, this, this one I wouldn't ask anybody. I yeah, don't yeah, think. Yeah, okay. Let's go draw. I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> That's why I won't be asked back on the podcast again because I just keep going. No, it's going to be a draw. It's going to be a draw. <laughs> But there will be draws there, so you will be That's right on true. occasion. The yeah. ones as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Peter. It, 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 yeah, so it's a shame Mane is not there, but um, you know, and also Depay. But it is the nature of this tournament. Any international tournament, there's always injuries, but coming slap bang in the middle of the tournament of the season with a week's build up, we are going to lose players for matches or the entire tournament. That's just the nature of it, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And I suppose the big shame is that you would like an African team to make a real proper breakthrough at a World Cup, a, a semi-final, a final, I mean, without getting ahead of ourselves. And an injury to Mane like that really does such damage to Senegal that, you know, considering the form they've been in, um, yeah, it's such a huge blow. Um, so, yeah, like, they've kind of impressed as they've gone through qualification, um, saw off Egypt. Um, so, 
Yeah, and, and I mean, I think you guys have covered it. The, the squad they have is so strong. There's Premier League talent there, which is something that we can only dream of in Ireland. So it's, um, yeah, it's 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 such a shame that they possibly won't be as good as the otherwise could be. But I don't know, maybe they'll come together without uh, Mane. But he is such a big loss. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I again, I, I echo what Dara says about the Netherlands. They kind of tend to either not qualify or else qualify and really light up the tournament. So um, I don't know if, what you guys think, but you'd still possibly suggest that the two teams playing tomorrow are going to be the teams that emerge from that group either way, even though Ecuador obviously yeah. did uh, impress today against Qatar. Yeah, I'd give Ecuador a shot after what I saw today. They, yes, they, yeah, it's hard, yeah. hard to judge how bad Qatar are. I, I, they are the Asian champions, but still, I think Ecuador seem very well organised at the back and they have a very informed strike uh, goal scorer, which is, you know, in tournament football, go a long way. Peter, it was, for me, it was the way they moved the ball, you know, like mm. there was real. And again, you have to, as you say correctly, you have to factor in who they were playing against. Um, like I used to look great playing against really average teams. Um, that was a serious illusion, but it was just the way they were kind of zipping the ball around the place. And again, look, there was there was all the pomp and ceremony about tonight. There was the open, you know, the all the stuff that was going on on the pitch. There were a lot of factors that the players had to deal with from both teams before the match actually took place. Um, and I just felt like from the first minute, I kind of thought they were at it and they moved the ball really well, very crisply. And you could see the kind of shapes and the patterns that they were that they were building up. I was impressed with them. So, but look, definitely, you know, when you looked at the group beforehand, you'd be going Senegal, Netherlands. Yeah, they're the two. Um, but, you know, Ecuador could, could throw a spanner in the works down the line. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I think we've we, we've probably run over longer than I thought we were going to go, but we're still shorter than a Gianni Infantino rant. So that's 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 my kind of limit. You don't you don't want to be longer than <laughs> we don't want to be longer than Gianni Infantino's. But Mikey, um... we could finish off by talking to Peter about USA '94 and that Dutch team, and, <laughs> and all of those guys and and Packy and all that stuff. So I'm so I, I, I need to lie down after that, Peter. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> I have vague recollections of the penalty shootout, the Italy penalty shootout. I just couldn't remember the opening game of that World Cup, so I have to start. Oh, with... I saw um, some fabulous footage of Baggio, you know, in the seconds after he missed the penalty. Yeah. Um, oh, stop. It just, poor guy, you know. And the I remember that one well. It was always, always coming. Around. World Cup finals were always coming home from a Leinster hurling final where Wexford had been beaten by <laughs> Kilkenny. They were always on the same day. It seemed like that. No, in, Remember in coming home. That might have been awfully actually. I think that might have been awfully. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It felt worse then because we weren't used to getting bet by them. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Dara. That's, on that, on that painful note, we'll leave it. Um, <laughs> thank you, Dara. Thank you, Peter. Uh, don't forget, you can watch every game live on RTE. And if you can't watch it on TV, you can follow live blog on the RTE website and the RTE News app. We'll be back again tomorrow for the RTE Soccer Daily World Cup podcast, which I think I'm calling it this time. Okay. Thank you, Dara. Thank you, Peter. Chat to you tomorrow. Goodbye.